Well, there are some things you need to know. One of them is, it rains here in Washington once in a while. And so some of you already knew that. You've got to have a rain jacket. If you don't, at least walk fast to Starbucks, right, when it's raining. I mean, these are things you need to know. Two years ago when we moved out here, it was the month of May, and we... We had some of our students come and visit us. We, yeah, it rains. We went camping in the Olympics, and boy, did we learn about rain. It was just a few days, and we just got soaked. You need to know, if you're in Washington, it may rain just like that, correct? It may rain. <clears throat> Today it was sunny for a short time, but that may change. That may change. There's things you do need to know. For all the kids that ran off, scurried off to Sunday school, they need to know, they need to learn some basic math before they graduate, right? Correct? They need to learn basic, simple mathematics skills before they graduate. There's some students in the service right now looking at their parents going, do we really have to? Yes, you do. Math. Oh, what a bummer. You need to know it. If you're allergic to nuts, you need to know, don't work in a peanut company. Don't work in the factory. If you're allergic to the nuts, don't do that. There's, there's basic things you should know about common sense. But when it comes to life, there are some things you need to know. It rains on the just and the unjust. You need to know that. Some people, for some reason, and part of it is the way we in our Western world have kind of painted and depicted Christianity, they think when they join Christianity, no more rain. Good times only. It rains on the just and the unjust. Or as Cal in his great title of the book, sometimes we suffer. We do. Suffering will come. You need to know that. Suffering will come. Pain will be there. It's important to know this, though, also, that grief in pain is not wrong. For some of you, you need to kind of etch that down. Grief in pain is not wrong. Grief is not a sin. What you do with your grief may lead to sin. What you put your hope and trust in, but grief in pain is not wrong. This past week, I got a phone call from the Midwest that began with a statement, I have some bad news. You know, you can never truly be emotionally ready for those kind of phone calls. Most of the time, I wish they would say, please sit down, I have some bad news, but it's, I've got some bad news. And my heart was like, okay. I thought I would be emotionally ready for it, but I wasn't. This week, a former student of mine passed away in a tragic way. And when I got the news, my heart just sank. It's one thing to cry and weep about a tragedy, but when it sinks into your heart, that's when the pain comes, right? And some of you understand that. Some of you understand when there's pain, you hear news, you can cry, you respond, but when it touches your heart, that's when the sorrow comes. As you see written on the slide here, this is very important. 
we may not be ready emotionally for tragic news that comes our way. You may not be ready for it. Just the phone call may come and say, I've got bad news. You may not be ready emotionally, but we can be ready theologically. We can be ready biblically. It's very important to be ready biblically. The foundation on which you stand is so important when pain comes. Mother's Day is sometimes a joyful time for some mothers that don't get to cook a meal. They're like, finally, I get to be taken out. Or, for them, it's more of a hassle because then they have to dress the kids up in special outfits and all this stuff. And sometimes Mother's Day is more of a pain. For some of you, Mother's Day is a hard day because your mother's no longer with you. Because you were unable to have kids. Because today your kids may not call you. Emotionally, we may not know how to respond, but if we have a foundation of this word here and what it teaches us, that is important. So again, think through this and just, we may not be ready emotionally for tragic news but we can be ready theologically. This week, at certain times, I would just sit in my chair and I would just begin to weep. I haven't eaten right since then. At night when I sleep, I don't don't have all the questions of why, why, why. It's more, I'll miss him. Knowing who God is in suffering is very important. And just as a teacher prepares students to know some math, to get them ready for life, it is my role as a pastor to equip the saints to get them ready for life and the life hereafter. We need to understand suffering from God's perspective. And I've been saying this for quite some time, and this is so important because when suffering comes to our doors, we want to understand it from our perspective. But when we understand it from God's perspective, it changes everything. It changes everything. And the heart of suffering holds these biblical truths. And we have some of these written here, and we've been going through these. The first one is the eternal perspective. The eternal perspective. The cross secures our hope for glory. As one song says, I am unaware of these afflictions eclipsed by glory. I love that line. All these afflictions that are facing, all this pain and suffering, I'm unaware of the afflictions eclipsed by glory. Because those who are in Christ, those who know Him, know that no matter what suffering comes, this light and momentary suffering is nothing compared to the eternal weight of glory. Amen? We have heaven. For the Christian, as we get closer to death, closer to the end, it's not... Whoa, what do I do? It's take me home. Amen? This eternal perspective is so important. 
And the cross, the cross secures our hope for glory. The second one we looked at was God knows pain. And the cross experiences suffering. We don't have a God that's just aloof and out there. We have someone who took on flesh. Or as one great hymn says this, Be thou still my strength and shield. Listen to this. When I tread the verge of Jordan, bid my anxious fears subside. Death of death. Because in the cross, death is done. Amen? Death of death and hell's destruction land me safe on Canaan's side. Songs of praises I will give ever to thee. The cross experiences suffering, and because of the cross, we have a hope that will never perish or fade. And the third one is sin results in suffering. Because of sin, there's suffering. It's it's all around us. Yet the cross remedies sin. And when we have that perspective, we can say what we just sung, blessed be your name. On the road marked with suffering, blessed be your name. Because the cross is our great remedy. But the next one and the last one we're looking at now is this. God is sovereign. And the cross fulfills God's plan. God is in control. In fact, theologically, I probably should have started with this one first. This is one of the main anthems of Scripture. It's throughout Scripture. God is in control. He is sovereign. Take a look at the next slide. It says this, and this is very important. Knowing God, that God is sovereign, knowing that God is sovereign is the great hope and relief as we live in this fallen world. I may get another phone call this week. More tragedy may come and just try to take away my refuge. But my hope is not in things around me. My hope is in a God who is in control. Because if he wasn't, we would be done. It would be misery. It would be hopeless for us. Amen? So this is so important. In fact, some of the things that we look at, even when I'm not talking about the sovereignty of God, shows up as, as I went through some of my sermon, looked at some of the stuff, I'm like, I always talk about the sovereignty of God. So hopefully this is nothing new from my lips. Knowing that God is sovereign is the great hope and relief as we live in this fallen world. Because life is just, it, it's chaos. It's a mess. I mean, what, what do we answer to things like 9-11? What do we say to things of Oso when those things come? What, what do we say to the tragic things all around us? How do we answer the sickness in Nigeria as you're searching for the over 200 schoolgirls captured by the Islamic militants who want to sell them? If God was not in control, we would be in serious trouble. We would be in serious trouble. 
kind of like, and I use this kind of as the background of the, the words here, just sometimes the rain can come and cover a window so much that you can't see out. And sometimes you get clouded by the suffering and the pain, and you wonder, why am I still sick? Are you sure you're in control? Why did they have to pass away? Are you sure you're in control? Why am I still suffering? When I was training to be a medic, I quickly learned the difference between acute and chronic. Acute is something that happens quickly, and I was great with trauma. I was great with acute things. I was great with dealing with someone in a car accident and just getting to them and assessing what was wrong. But the chronic things that go on and on, and a lot of times those were the medical aspects of things, those were hard for me to figure out. I couldn't wrap my mind around it. Why is this going on forever? Listen, the world is a mess, but you need to know this. This is so important. God is in control. God is in control. In fact, I would say this. This, this might be bold for some of you hearing this from a pastor. If you struggle in life all the time with depression, with suffering, with pain... Either use a permanent marker or get the tattoo that says on your arm, God is in control, so you don't forget. Etch it into your memory. God is in control. So let, let's do this. Let's try to assess where you are with this phrase, God is in control. So I want to read a statement. Take a look at this statement. It's, it's a little bit lengthy. And, th- and just think through this. And, and do you believe this or you do, do you not believe this? Where are you in this thought about God really being in control? So here's this statement. I believe that every particle of dust that dances in the sunbeam does not move an atom more or less than God wishes. That's a tough one. Let's just pause there. Don't keep reading. Think about that. When we do get sun once a month, and you can see the dust particles, is God even in control of every dust particle? That every particle of spray that dashes against the steamboat, I was going to change it to make it more modern, but this was written a long time ago, the fairy, we could say, has its orbit as well as the sun in the heavens. Ooh, that's very specific. The shaft from the hand of the winnower is steered as the stars in their courses. The creeping of an aphis over the rosebud, very small little bug, is as much fixed as the march of the devastating pestilence. The fall of the leaves from the poplar is as fully ordained as the tumbling of an avalanche. That is pretty narrow. That is very specific. So don't raise your hand. Don't say it out loud. Would you agree with this statement? This is a tough one. Or take a look at the next slide here. 
let me just boil it down to this. Is God in control of every single molecule in the universe? Do you agree with this? Let me say this. Your answer does not determine if you're a Christian or a Muslim. Your answer does not determine if you're liberal or conservative, Calvinistic or Arminian, know a lot of theology or don't know a lot of theology. Listen to this. Your answer determines if you are a theist, if you believe in God. Because all theists who believe in God, God by definition would state that he is in control of all things. Spurgeon wrote that. And he ended with this. Well, it didn't end, but he said this right after this. He says, He that believes in God must believe this truth. There is no standing point between this and atheism. There is no halfway between a mighty God that works all things by the sovereign counsel of his will and no God at all. A God that cannot do as he pleases, a God who is frustrated, is not God at all and cannot be God. So take a look at the next slide here. The biblical understanding of God is this. That he is sovereign. He is in total control and providentially works out all things to accomplish his purposes. Write this down. Because this is something throughout Scripture over and over again. God teaches he models, he shows his people and the world in their suffering, in their blessing, that he's in control. And the result is, trust me. Trust me, he says. So if you struggle with sickness, if you struggle with cancer, you're waiting to be healed. Know that he is in control. Nothing escapes his plan. No little single cancer cell has escaped his plan. He is God. If you struggle because someone has passed away and you are in deep sorrow and grief. In fact, this past, it was just yesterday, one of my daughters bought me at my first handkerchief because she overheard me say, saying when I go back to do this funeral, I may need a handkerchief because I'm just going to weep. So she got me one. If you have already had handkerchiefs and you filled them, know that God is in control. He is in control. So what I want to do this morning is look at just a few of the biblical passages that help us see how God presents himself to his people, and to the world. So, I've got most of these on the slide. You can take a look at this one here. But turn in your Bibles to Deuteronomy. If you don't have a Bible, just put up your hand quick. We can get you a Bible. We've got one over here. And it's good to hear the page is turning. Oh, wait, some of you have iPads, so you're sliding. Deuteronomy. 
How do we understand God? Most of our problems, if you've, you've, I've said this multiple times, but think about this. Most of our problems come from an incorrect view of God. Your struggle with sin, listen to this. I believe that your struggle with sin, if you stay in it habitually, if you, if you have a real struggle, it, most of it, if you really look at it, comes from an incorrect view of God. Because if you understood that God is holy, I think that would help you in your struggle with sin. If you understood the power that the Holy Spirit gives you, if you understood God more clearly, sin would be different in your life. In your pain, in your animosity, maybe towards God of like, why? Why is my family like this? <coughs> why am I still suffering? We need to know some of these biblical truths. Deuteronomy Chapter 32, verse 4 and 39. Listen to this. He is the rock. His works are perfect. And all His ways, not just some, all His ways are just. A faithful God who does no wrong, upright and just, is he always know this that god is good amen god is good then skipping down i put to death and i bring to life do you catch that the lord says i put to death i bring to life i have wounded I will heal did you hear that I have wounded and I will heal and no one can deliver out of my hand praise God things are just not random praise God we don't have random molecules that float around Praise God, in my body, this past week when I was sick, John was sick for a while, then I got sick. Praise God, there's no random sickness in my body that just pops up and, oh, there I am, sick. There is no random sickness. There is no random cancer. God is good and he's in control. Amen? Sometimes we don't have the answers. In fact, doctors don't even. I went to the doctor finally and said, listen. I'm getting something, I'm going to the doctor, just, you know, med me up, poke me, drain me, whatever it takes, let's just get this done with. So I go to the doctor, pay my copay. all right, it'll be worth it, sit with the doctor, he checks me out, and he goes, yep, you're sick, go home. Uh, excuse me? Yep, you're sick, just go home and get better. Thanks a lot, that was a waste of money, I could have said that myself! Give me an answer, give me... There is no randomness to our sickness. He is in control. He is a good king. Turn to Psalm 115. This is one of my favorite psalms, like they all are. You've heard me say this first verse many times. This is one of my anthems. Psalm 115, verse 1.
Not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to Your name be all the glory. Because of Your love and faithfulness. Love that. Look at verse 2 and 3. This is profound. Why do the nations say, where is their God? Well, I tell you what, and we'll see this next week, we live in a crucial time where this concept of God being king and sovereign is not accepted today. And I can guarantee if I go to any kind of university, campus, with a philosopher, and just debate about God or whatever, I'm sure he would call us, where is your God? Look at all that's happening. If you say he's God, if you say he's in control, if you say that there's no random molecule, show me, because look at the chaos of this world. What do the nations say where is their God? Verse 3. Know this verse. Our God is in heaven, and he does whatever pleases him. He is the mighty king. That's kind of hard for us because we're Americans. We don't have a king. We have a president. And you know what? You get paid a lot of money if you don't like your president today, it seems. It's kind of sad. We have the right to go, oh, I like him, I don't. I voted for him, I don't. So for us, this is kind of hard to understand this sovereignty because we don't have a king. We don't have someone that they're the king no matter what. Whether you like it or not, they're the king. They're in control. They require and should get allegiance. We live in a time and age where we don't have that. So understanding that God is in control and that kingship, it's, it's hard at times to understand that there would be someone that's providentially governing us and directs all things that they may accomplish His purpose. So know this. We have a good King. He is in complete control, and He does what He likes. Our God is in heaven, and He does whatever pleases Him. All right, let's look at the next couple verses here. Proverbs 21, verse 1, talking about kings and kingdoms and kingship. These are very important verses here. This is the biblical understanding of God. In the Lord's hand, the king's heart is a stream of water that he channels toward all who please him. Do you know that in the Lord's hand, the king, whoever's a king, whoever's a ruler, whoever is a leader, is just like a stream to the Lord. I'm going to channel it this way. Do you know that when it comes to voting time, when it comes to political things, and trust me, I pray a lot, sometimes I get worried, but you know what? My worry meter pew, goes pretty small. Because truly, who's in charge? Is our president really in charge? Well, you could talk about that in other ways, right? Who is ultimately in control? My God is in control. 
no matter what happens politically, and trust me, there might be some stuff coming down in the future that's going to be devastating to us. Because I hold a biblical understanding of God, guess what? I can rest at night. Because my dear friend, who I love, passed away, ultimately I can rest at night because God is in control. Acts 17, 26. From one man he made all the nations, that they should inhabit the whole earth, and he, not governments, not policies, not bureaucracy, not manifest destiny, he marked out their appointed times in, in history and the boundaries of their lands. Who's really in control here? Are governments in control? Not at all. I serve a sovereign God who marks out like in a sandbox. You live in this area for this time and with just the blow of his nostrils, poof, it's gone and builds up another kingdom. Part of it's because we are Americans. We think we can do anything. We think that we choose our government. Well, more and more we realize, that. is that really the case? We think we're so autonomous in these things. Who's in control? God is. God is in control. So as we come up to is a year and a half, our next voting, truly vote, truly pray, but begin with, oh, sovereign God, and know that he's the one that sets up and establishes kingdoms. Amen? Imagine if we had a God that didn't do that. I would be worried. I might be the largest political person there is on the planet if God wasn't in control. But since he's in control, I still can be political, yet I know that he's in control. Amen? And my hope lies in that. He is the one who marks out their appointed times. He is the one that sets the boundaries of the earth. Look at Daniel chapter 2. Wisdom and power is his, verse 21. He changes times and seasons. He disposes kings and rises up others. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to the discerning. He's the one that rises up people and puts them down. He's in control of seasons and times. When it rains, guess what? It's not just, oh, it rained again. God is in control. Mark chapter 4, Jesus, he's in control. He gets up and rebukes the wind. We have a God who is sovereign over kingdoms, over the weather. And you may think maybe he's trying to judge Washington because all the weather we get gloomy. It's not that bad. He is in control. God exercises his power not only over kingdoms, but over seasons and weather. Know this, that he is in control. Let's look at the next one. All things are controlled by God. Proverbs 16, 4. The Lord works out some things. The Lord works out everything to its proper end, even the wicked for the day of disaster. Even the wicked. 
the Lord works out everything. Or, further on in that chapter, here's a famous verse that a lot of people don't realize is in Scripture. Proverbs 16, The lot is cast into the lap, but it's every decision, its very decision, is determined from the Lord. Oh, we can cast a lot, we can roll the die, but who is in control of even the tumbling of a die? God is. Okay, just let me pause here, people. This is why we're laying this out again. You may be in sickness, you may not get the phone call today from your child. Because they have spited you, and it's Mother's Day, but they're still not going to do it, and they're just going to be rude. You may have suffering and pain. All this stuff, come back to this side. You need to know God is in control. He is a good God. And He is so sovereign. Isaiah 46. My purpose will stand, says the Lord. And I will do all that I please. Imagine if things were random. Imagine if things had no control. We would be hopeless and helpless. But those who understand the God of the Bible have a God who's in control who is sovereign and works out things for his purpose. One of my favorite verses that talks about this is Ephesians 1.11. So go here, turn to this verse. I've yet to determine if there's five or seven words that just nail this down. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 11. Not only, this one here I would say is not only speaking that God is in control of all things, but He's also in control of that which pertains to salvation. He's sovereign in salvation. Look, this, is, this is one of my favorite verses here. Listen to this. In Him, we were also chosen. So God is a part of this. In Him, we were also chosen, having been predestined, or another word could be determined beforehand. Don't get freaked out by this big word that shows up in Scripture. Having been determined beforehand, predestined, according to the plan of Him who works out everything in accordance with His purpose and will. There's so many words. There's like five or seven. I haven't determined yet. Five for sure that say, it's going to happen, it's going to happen, it's going to happen. According to the plan of Him who works out everything in accordance with His will, His purpose. Nothing escapes Him. God is in control. God is sovereign, in total control, and providentially works out all things to accomplish His purposes. You have to know this. There's things you need to know in life. And this scripturally is throughout scripture. And you need to know this. God is in control. He is in control. 
Let's turn to the last verse that I'm going to look at. I think it's on the screen. I'm not sure if I put it on here. Romans. What chapter? Now, there's this tall guy in your church who often says, read Romans 8. There's a reason I say read Romans 8. Because some of you live in Romans 7. From the middle of Romans 7 to the end, there's this defeatism. There's this, oh, I can't do it. Oh, why? And that's where you seem to stay. Your mind seems to always read things negatively, even when there's positive things. For some mothers, today should be a joyful day, even if you've lost children. This should be a joyful day that you've had. But how quickly you are to go, oh. The Christian life is not the defeatism of chapter 7, but the victory of living in the Spirit, Romans chapter 8. And probably the most famous or used verse in this is Romans 8.28. And we read only the first part. Get this in you. Taste of this today. Look in your Bible. Underline this. Etch this into your memory. This is imperative. This is soul food for you to make it. And we know, some of you don't know this, so know this, and we know that in all things, not just some things, not just the good things, we know that in all things, God worked for the good of those who love Him and have been called according to His purpose. Listen to this. Most people love the first part. But you cannot have the first part alone. You have to have the rest. Okay, this is important. Because a lot of people love to slap this verse on. And they they don't like context, and they don't look at the full picture here. In fact, I, I won't be surprised if someone uses this verse when I go back to Madison, Wisconsin, and they'll throw this verse out at the funeral. It is a comforting verse. But not as comforting if you just use the, the first part, the whole counsel of God is comforting in this. Look at what it says here. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love Him, who have been called according to His purpose. Keep reading. For those God foreknew, He also predestined What's the whole purpose of pre... We hear this word, theological, oh, predestined, I'm scared of this word. Listen. The whole purpose of God planning out, determining beforehand, here it is. For those God foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of His Son. The whole purpose of my existence is that I would be conformed more and more to the image of Christ and give Him glory. That's my purpose in life. More and more that I would be conformed to His purpose. To be more like Christ. 
so that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those who he predestined, he also called. And those he called, he justified. And those he justified, he glorified. Your purpose, your existence, even in suffering, is to bring him glory. Your purpose, your existence in sickness, as you hug a toilet, as you throw up, as you deal chronically with pain and cancer and suffering, is for his glory. Why? Because he's in control. And there's not a single molecule out of space that he has not placed. He is in control. And this is important. It's not that God's sovereignty and providence is, it is what it is. I've heard this phrase since I moved here to Washington. A lot of people use it in the right context, but some people use it in the context of, it is what it is, what is must be, and and there's nothing I can do. It should be, it is, God is in control, it is not random, okay, it is because it works out for my good so he would receive glory. Romans chapter 8. God has a purpose in all that he does and in this world. He preserves it. It moves. It has its being. God is in control. So in your suffering, know And if you have to get the Sharpie, write it down. Get the tattoo. Do whatever you have to do. Know this. God is in control. Nothing escapes Him. In your good days, blessed be your name, know that God is in control. Know as you cast the lot, as you roll the die, if you come to my house to play games, what are the rules? Play to have fun. Play that Cody wins. (laughs) And thirdly, we're going to have fun because God's in control. Know that when you roll the die... The decision, the outcome, is in control. God is in control. Again, the biblical understanding is this. He is sovereign. He's in control. That doesn't make you conservative or liberal, Calvinistic, Arminian, theological, untheological, more astute, kind of stupid. No. Believing that God is in control says that you believe in a God and that's who He is. God is sovereign even in suffering. And the cross is the remedy for suffering and the cross is an expression of God's sovereign hand. And that we'll see next week. So let's pray.